When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. He has a sit down and he says, I like the way he sings and then she sings. I think you guys could be a Fleetwood Mac for the 80s. Welcome back to another episode of Live Through That, the podcast where influential artists of the 80s and 90s talk to us about a pivotal moment in their lives. I'm your host, Mike Hipple, and we're beginning a month of stories from artists that are going to be performing at the Cruel World Festival in Pasadena on May 20th. There will be stories from John King of Gang of Four, Martha Davis and Marty Gerard of The Motels, and Mick Conroy of Modern English. But first up, we have Bill Wadhams from the band Animotion. You know them for their massive hit Obsession, but there's more to them than just that one song. Singer-songwriter Bill Wadhams talks to us about those early days, meeting co-vocalist Astrid Plain and forming Animotion. When I moved to Los Angeles in 1979, I had aspirations of finding a way into the music business and into my own recording career. My brother, Tad, is a fantastic bass player who went on to play with Sheryl Crow um, and also toured with Bruce Willis. Um, but he, uh, he and I had a band in Los Angeles in the heyday of the new wave, I changed my name to Billy Bond, and we called the band the Billy Bond Band. And uh, we, it was, a, I just really loved the players. We had a, a great drummer named Jeff Stern, a guitarist named Rick Boston. It was a, it was my favorite band, really, uh, just about my favorite band of all time. And um, we recorded quite a bit but we couldn't get any record company interest. Um, at that point, I got a call one day from the manager of a bodacious Brit named Astrid Plain with a side ponytail. And this manager said, uh, I've seen you play and I'm managing this, this young woman and I think that the two of you would work well together She's got a band that's just gone through a breakup. They've lost their lead singer uh, who was singing with Astrid and writing all the songs and playing guitar. So we're looking someone for someone to fill that spot. And, um, you know, I was, I, at that time, I was not looking to join another band. Um, I liked my band, but he told me they had a budget to record my songs and connections in the music business. So I agreed to begin rehearsing with them, and Astrid gave the band a new name, Animotion. Um, 
We played in the clubs, recorded a demo, and in what seemed like no time at all, a legendary A&R man, Russ Reagan, came to see us in our rehearsal studio. Now, A&R, as you know, stands for Artisan Repertoire, the people that discover and develop artists. And Russ Reagan signed Elton John, Neil Diamond, uh, Kiss, and he's known for suggesting that the Beach Boys call themselves the Beach Boys. He actually gave the Beach Boys their name. (laughs) So this guy's been around a long time, and he comes to a rehearsal studio where Animotion is playing. And after we play a few songs for him, he has a sit-down, and he says, I like the way he sings and then she sings. I think you guys could be a Fleetwood Mac for the 80s. And he signed us to Polygram Records. And that was a huge pivotal moment. I love Russ Reagan. He's since passed away. Um, Rest in peace. A wonderful guy. And he was our godfather through two albums. Um, And, uh, you know, that's that's how the ride took off for me, at least. You know, in the Billy Bond band, um, we used to play a song called Everything's Leading to You, which became one of the only songs from the Billy Bond band that won on the first Animotion record. No, I guess there was another one. Um, Holding You was another song from Billy Bond that went on that record. One of the songs that Bill played for them that day when he first met Astrid was All in a Day. Bill dug up the original recording of that song for us to hear. It's a song that Bill thought should have been on that first Animotion album. songs became the backbone of the band, but one of those songs, Obsession, was brought in from outside the band and took on a life of its own. This was, uh, this was another, another pivotal moment in my career with Animotion on our first album. Um, I was the only writer within the band that, that was writing songs for the album. Um, actually, correct that, um, most of the songs on the album were written by me, and then the producer came in with an outside song from a publisher, uh, and that was Obsession. And at first, um, 
I couldn't kind of I couldn't believe that he was bringing this in. It sounded so different than anything that I had written and recorded with Animotion. Um, and he had initially said there will be no dance music on this record. We had we had actually discussed that because um, Astrid was loving uh, Human League and some other Brit bands that were coming out and really liked that sound. And uh, but the producer distinctively said, "No, no dance music. This is rock. We're going to break it on KLOS, which was the big rock station in Los Angeles." Um, but Obsession came in, we recorded it. I had mixed feelings about it, but Astrid Astrid loved it and thought, this is going to be a hit. I had my doubts about it. I just didn't quite get it. But, um, you know, so at that time, it was um, frustrating for me. And when the, when the album first came out, um, it was released and uh, played in Los Angeles for about nine months. It was getting played in LA, but nowhere else um, until... A until uh, Z100, one of the, the biggest pop station in Los Angeles, had a had an unknown a battle of the unknown bands, and Obsession went up against other up and comers. Five nights in a row, we won, so they added to the playlist, and then other stations around the country took note, and it exploded. Um, so. But for that, for a period of time there, I thought this is going nowhere, um, and then it then it took off. And when it did take off, then I felt like, okay, I don't care who wrote it. This is a hit song, and I'm 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 going to ride this as far as I can go. Um, and we, you know, of course, we had a blast with that. But then it was a matter of reverse engineering. Like, okay, um, are we supposed to write songs that sound like a hit that was written by someone else? Uh, some of the band thought yes. I said no. Um, people just want to hear another great song. They don't necessarily want to hear something like Obsession. Um, that was a bit of a debate within the band. And now I was competing for writing with the keyboard player and the guitarist who um, went into other studios. It was it was too bad that we didn't write together. Um, but I hadn't done much writing with other players, so. I wasn't really used to that. In retrospect, it seems like, of course you would do that. But we we got into a bit, we were a bit scattered going into our second album, which is why the record company said, okay, you have to have at least one song written by the person who wrote Obsession. And that's where I Engineer came from, um, written by Holly Knight and uh, lyrics by Bernie Taupin. So um, some nice star power there. Um, but uh, but it didn't have the it didn't reach the success of obsession. Although it it did chart chart on the second album, it didn't uh, reach nearly the success of the first hit. You know, uh, looking back, I think that um, the producer. You know, uh, I, although I've had some issues with the producer in the past, let me see how the best to say this. Uh, although I disagreed with the producer's choice of bringing in a song from outside of the band, uh, I can't deny that it was such a great hit and it was such a great ride for, for me and the band, Obsession. 
um, that looking back, I appreciate what he did. We did not work with him on the second album. Maybe we should have because he had a he had a vision for the band and that vision worked. So I have to admit that. But we we moved on and, and worked with another producer named Richie Zito, and uh, and we you know we enjoyed working with Richie. But um, yeah, no, I don't. Um, I sometimes I thought to myself, would I have rather succeeded or failed just on my own writing? And you know that's not the way it went. It um, uh, and I had my song a song that I wrote called Let Him Go was the second single for Animotion and it got into the top 40, but I doubt it would have gotten there if if it weren't for the hit that preceded it. So, you know, that that helped, that did help to move to move me forward as a writer. And I and also having a record come, you know, record deal as we did, it 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 helped me to work on being a professional musician. Obsession fits in nicely with those songs that have a strong male-female dynamic. Songs like Human League's classic Don't You Want Me, which had come out a few years prior. Did songs like that help inspire their take on Obsession? You know, um, that was never brought up in the discussions about recording. Um, What was brought up was when the producer said to us, have you guys heard Frankie Goes to Hollywood, Relax? And so it was just the sound of that big record that wonderful sounding record that um, that the producer thought, let me put, say this another way, the producer, we recorded five songs for our album, then the producer went to England. While he was in England, he heard Frankly, Frankie Goes to Hollywood, and he uh, came back and said, hey, I've heard this song, it's amazing, and I found a hit, uh, I found a song from a publisher that I think could be right for you guys and we're going to produce it in that in that in that way and um you know I I kind of didn't get it because it sounded so far from what I was doing I didn't see how it could work with the album um but that didn't seem to concern him at least at the time when after obsession was released and it was a hit then they took my song let him go took it to New York City, gave it to a remixer who added synth bass and uh, and sampled drums. So now a song of mine sounded more like Obsession and entered the charts. So it's, it was, yeah, it was just, uh, I, I had a hard time digesting what was happening um, because a lot of it was um, out of my hands as the creator. And, and, and I was used to being the creator in the band. The original incarnation of Animotion disbanded while trying to make a third record in the late 80s. Being a songwriter was very important to me when I was in Animotion um, to the point that um, when I was, you know, being a songwriter it was so important to me that when we approached the third album and the A&R department was not approving any of my songs, I quit the band. Now, looking back, I think to myself, was it not enough <laughs> to be the singer of a, of a band that was having hit songs and a career? Um, at the time, um, that wasn't enough for me. One of the reasons it wasn't enough, because if you're not writing, you're not making any money. <laughs> You know, and that's critical. You come home 
to a wife or partner and you have bills to pay, you'd like to buy a house someday or a new car. If you're not the writer, uh, it's unlikely that's going to happen unless you sell a lot of albums. But then again, you have to pay back the record company for every dime that they spent on the album, the videos, and touring, and, and then pay your managers, pay your lawyer, and then split it with six people in the band. And there's not much left over. So if you're not writing, uh, you're struggling. And um, But Animotion went on to have another top 10 hit on the third album uh, called Room to Move. And I didn't sing that song because I was gone. So looking back, I mean, I watched the new Animotion on television, on the Arsenio Hall show. And I, I thought to myself, wow, I'm really torn because there's a part of me as a singer who loves to perform, I could have been there. But as a writer with an ego, <laughs> I wouldn't allow myself to do that. And, um, you know, I don't, I don't regret it. I made the choice and, and I, I enjoy the way my life has transpired and, and how it's turned out. Um, but it's, but looking back, I really think that, um, that I sort of, uh, I denied my performing self the opportunity to carry on with the career by, by just uh, insisting that, um, that I be the writer. The original band reformed in 2001 and went on to release a new record in 2017, Raise Your Expectations. Bill is able to scratch that performing itch by being a part of the band again. In addition, Bill is currently working on a musical memoir piece, a one-man show kind of like Springsteen on Broadway, where Bill goes through the arc of his life through song and story. When I started working on a musical memoir, I thought this is going to be my best songs and my best stories. But I began working with a director, and the theat this theatrical director named Bill Fenley, he's worked on Broadway, and, and he's actually worked all over the United States. And Bill asked me, is this a concert or a theatrical piece? And I said, well, I want it to be a theatrical piece. And he said, well, then we need to, we need to string together these thoughts. There need, we need to have like running themes through your uh, show, not just scattered stories. Um, they need, we need to tie these things together. So we move through um, your story in an arc and we encounter uh, conflicts and problems and we resolve them uh, in a way that this, the audience can kind of follow you through uh, the path of your life. So um, this show has a combination of songs that were written uh, recently as well as songs that were written a long time ago. For instance, the first song is a song called Up in the Air, and it's about being um, a bit at odds between here and there, uh, making a, trying to make a, a critical decision that's going to affect people and, um, and being torn about that. Uh, the show kind of starts that way because a lot of my show has to do with trying to figure out how to get through uh, a crossroad in my life, how to transition from one part of my life to the next. Um, then uh, some of the songs were written specifically to tell the story. 
The second song has to do with my brother Tad and I seeing the Beatles on TV in 1964 and being so inspired by that that we, it became the focus of our life. That's followed by a song I wrote in 1975 about my first love and uh, my dream to have a beautiful life with her. So it's a combination of recent songs, songs that were written specifically to move the story forward, and then songs like Everything's Leading to You that I wrote in the 80s, and they have a place in the story and in my life. Thank you to Bill for taking the time to share his story and some of your early music to boot. I also want to thank the band Jupe Jupe for creating our brand new theme song. You can find out more about their new album at jupejupemusic.com. And if you have a story about one of the bands performing A Cruel World, maybe they were one of your first concerts or one of their songs was your prom's theme song, anything, send us a voice memo at mhipple at gmail.com. That's m-h-i-p-p-l-e at gmail.com. I'd love to do a bonus episode featuring some of your stories. And a friendly reminder that you can also buy my book on 80s musicians and where they are today, 80s Redux, and its sequel on 90s artists, Live Through That, wherever you buy your books. If you like this show, please subscribe so you'll know when the latest episode comes out. You can also follow me on Twitter and Facebook at Mike Hipple Photo, all one word. Thanks for listening, and we'll close out this episode with another of the Billy Bond Band songs, Temporary, from 1981.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.